0: Up until I woke up this morning, I was assuming that my wife was going to be doing announcements. Uh, But my wife's in Texas, so I didn't know how she was going to do it. I was like, oh, then that means I have to do it. I don't even know what's going on. Um, uh, uh, I just have a couple things to announce. Uh, The first is uh, to continue to save the date for our vacation Bible school, uh, whose theme is Keepers of the Kingdom." It's going to be June 23rd through 25th. We do it camp style. So we have Friday night, Saturdays all day, and then Sunday morning. And then after our Sunday morning, we have the the water slides and lunch and all of that good stuff. So uh, keep that on your calendars, June 23rd through 25th. And um, the other thing that I want you to start to... Put on your calendar so you know that it's there. And I'm looking at my phone so I get the dates right. Um, We have Easter coming up very quickly. It's uh, it's about a month out, um, and that month is going to go by fast. So we'll have our Good Friday service on Friday, the 7th of April, here at uh, 7 o'clock. And we usually stay about an hour. And um, we're starting a new series this morning called uh, Death, The Only Way to Life. And so this is all leading up to the culmination of Good Friday and Easter, and so we will be focusing on death that, uh, that Friday night. So sounds pleasant, right? So come and we'll think about death. Um, uh, Saturday the 8th, we're going to have our, our kids um, uh, event, and we're, we're moving away from egg hunts for the older kids now because our field... The older kids just run around and pick it up and it isn't an exciting for them. So the younger kids will still have eggs to, to, uh, to search after and to go after. But the older kids, 4th uh, and 5th graders, you'll be doing an escape room um, here at the church. So we're going to set it up in the hallway back here and you'll be able to use clues to try to escape. And if you don't, you just have to stay until the next day. Um, I'm sorry, but that, that's the rules And then um, since on Easter Sunday, we're not going to have pre-service prayer, we're not going to have our Sunday morning prayer, so we're going to move the prayer meeting to Saturday um, that night. We'll just be here for an hour and we'll gather to pray like we do before um, service. And then on Sunday, 7 o'clock, sunrise service up by the cross on the back hill, Uh, 8 o'clock breakfast in... The Fellowship Hall brought to you by Bojangles and 9 o'clock celebration up here for uh, the resurrection. That's all we have coming up. Uh, put it on your calendars. You'll be getting all that information again in newsletters if you want to be in our newsletter. Put it on your connect card. Put it in the box on your way out where you put your tithes and offerings and, um, and we'll get you connected that way. Why don't you stand with me as we prepare Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, we want everything that you have for us, Lord. We don't want anything more than exactly what you want for us, and we don't want anything less than the fullness of... What you have for us this morning. God, we step out of the way. We step out of the way. And let your goodness flow. Let your goodness be seen and known. Lord, pour out your presence. Pour out your spirit as we sing and as we worship and as we tell of all the good things that you've done. For you are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of, of our attention and our focus. And so let's turn our eyes to you. Let us worship you because you are worthy. Let us sing with one loud voice. Words that exclaim your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: All right, are we ready to worship? All right, are we ready to move our bodies? Let me see you. Let's just kind of get warmed up here. We're going to worship the Lord with everything that we have our mind, soul, body, and strength. Woo! So, as we talk about dying, what about living? just right now, I just declare, I speak, and I release joy and freedom into the room. Come on, let's celebrate. Woo. Yeah. On,
2: we'll together. Let
3: the children sing a song of liberation, the God of our sin is broken, yet the empty tomb stands open, come and sing, he's alive. Is the one who has overcome the grave, let the people dance, let the people see. What he a mighty King. worthy is the land, worthy of our praise, worthy is the one who has overcome the grave. Let the people dance, let the people sing. where is he is a mighty king, worthy is the land, worthy of my praise.
2: Worthy is the one who has overcome the grave. Let the
3: people dance, let the people see, Worthy is a mighty
2: what he is the one who has overcome the cave, let the people dance, let the people sing. What he is the mighty king, worthy
3: is the lamp, worthy of a praise, Worthy is the one who has overcome the grave, let the people dance,
2: let the people sing, Worthy is the mighty king. Is the is the is the people.
1: with us we just give you that invitation to enter into the presence of the Lord To teach us what it means to take up our cross and follow you. Teach us what it means to die so that we can truly live. Your word tells us it's only when we lose our life that we find it. And God, none of that makes sense to us. So we just ask through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would reveal to us how this happens and how this works. Right now, will you just tell the Lord? uh, I just want to die I just want to die I just want to die to my selfish desires and to my thoughts just start surrendering right now just start dying right now I've learned that dying is a process and I'm in the middle of that process and it's painful and yet it's beautiful God your plans are so much better anyway ways are so much higher than our ways. Oh Christ, would you live in us, would you live in us as we die to ourselves. Christ, come alive, come alive, come alive in us right now in Jesus' name. Quicken us, awaken us, awaken us. We join with Paul who said, it's not I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. So Christ, come and live in us. No longer I, I who
3: live, live, but Christ in me. For I've been born again. My heart is free. The whole that you've done for me, Jesus to fully praise you, it'll take all eternity.
2: Don't be happy to Jesus
1: to see this. Like Jesus is purifying his church. He is setting us free. He is delivering us from the grip of the enemy. So if Satan is back there telling you a lie, don't believe the lie that he has you. He does not have you. Jesus says, you are mine. The enemy thought he had me, but
2: Jesus said you are mine. Jesus said you are mine. I say do you
1: believe it? The The
2: enemy thought he had me. But Jesus said you are mine. The enemy thought he had me. But Jesus said you are mine. The enemy thought he had me. But Jesus said you are mine.
1: Bought me with your blood And
2: on your hand
1: You've written
2: out my name This is who you
0: are I am your
1: beloved The one the Father
3: loves
1: Mercy
2: has defeated all my
1: shame There is no shame, there is no condemnation
2: For I am your beloved you have bought me with your blood and on your head you've written out my
1: in our heart that are set aside for no one else to see. Jesus sees them. He knows about them. He loves us. He
2: loves us.
1: Room by the people and the love of the Father. Because the enemy thought he had me, but
2: Jesus said, You are mine. The enemy thought he had me, but Jesus said, You are
1: mine. Listen to his voice. The enemy thought.
2: Jesus said, "You are mine." The enemy thought he had me, but Jesus said, "You are." Mine.
0: dishonor, but it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, but it's raised in power. It is sown in a natural body. It is sown in a natural body. It's raised in a spiritual body. Just as we have borne the image of man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. God, we want to bear your image. You've saved us. You've 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 ransomed us You've won us back We've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness Into the kingdom of your glorious Son Let it be true, Father That we find our life in you That we look to you and you alone for life Let it be done according to your goodness and your glory this morning Speak to us through your word Let the Holy Spirit quicken the hearts during the teaching, Lord, for what you would have for them. You have something for each person sitting here. This is not a message that's going to skip over somebody. It's not a message that's going to to leave somebody without something, but let our ears be attentive to to the prompting of the Spirit. Let our hearts be open so that you show us, you reveal to us the things that you want us to know, the people that you want us to become. Jesus name. Amen. Don't sit down. You guys are getting better. Don't sit down. I'm taking notes of who's sitting down. Abby. Each week one chapter, one verse, one Bible study. There have been 70 people approximately who have um, joined us for 50 weeks in the Word where we go through as a church one chapter. Everybody reads a chapter every day. There's one verse that people memorize throughout the week and there's one Bible study on one day, Monday morning that goes through on Wednesday night, Monday morning. that goes, you get the thing the the chapter on Monday morning. Um, this week it was Philippians 2 and our verse was Philippians 2 verse 3. So I'm going to put it up on the screen just really quick and then we're gonna repeat it. This is how we memorize it and this is how we do it. So if you haven't signed up, don't feel bad if you're a guest with us, don't feel bad. Here we go, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, rather in humility count others as more significant than yourselves, Philippians 2, 3, now you may sit down, once you've done your good works, then you may rest, we're starting our new series, death, the way to life. We're, we're going to go over the next uh, five weeks, and Good Friday included, about how the method for us to experience the, res- the, the kingdom life that Jesus has for us is found in death, in the death of Jesus and in the death of ourselves. And this morning, we're going to talk about what the great enemy, our greatest enemy is And I'm going to be in Genesis 2 and Genesis 3, so if you want to turn there, you can get there, and we'll read out of there in just a a few minutes. But to kind of give some uh, background and some opening uh, thoughts about what we're going to go through over the next month, is we have to realize that when Jesus brings the kingdom of God to bear on earth, it is an upside-down kingdom. It goes completely different from what we uh, expect. It goes completely different from what we might imagine it could possibly be. Our society, the society, the kingdom of, of American culture, the kingdom of the worldly culture, tells us that there are certain paths to success or significance in life. I watch. Uh, I don't watch a lot of reality TV shows, but sometimes, if there's one on, I don't go seek it out, but if there's one on and I'm flipping the channels and Shark Tank is on, All watch Shark Tank. Uh, Has anybody seen Shark Tank? Shark Tank is um, these entrepreneurs. They've been growing a business, and they go between. They go in front of. Excuse me, four sharks. Right, and these are four or five sharks who are wild. They've been wildly successful in business. Right, so uh, one of the regulars is Mark Cuban, who owns the Dallas Mavericks. He's—they're—they're they're billionaires, right? And so these people come up before them, and they say, "I'm asking for two hundred and fifty thousand. I'll give you twenty percent of my business. Here's my business." And there's a lot of things that have come out of this that have made it into our lives. But w- what's happening is you have these people who have worked hard to create a business, and they're trying to sell their business. And some of the people are are nice. Right? And they're trying to make the best deal for the person standing in front of them, but for themselves as well. But there's one guy, he's kind of the, the, the main guy, his name's Kevin O'Leary, and he's a jerk. And he's really just trying to get the best thing for himself and not for the people in front of him. So I, I tell you all about that because Kevin O'Leary tweeted this out about a month ago. And you probably can't read it from where you are, but it's in your notes. Here's what it says. It says, he said, you may lose your wife, you may lose your dog, your mother may hate you. None of those things matter. What matters is that you achieve success and become free. And then you can do whatever you like. Isn't that the worst tweet you've ever seen? Some of you are like it it's the first tweet I've ever seen <laughs> but that's the worst thing I've ever seen he, but 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 this is the gospel of our society this is the gospel of of our culture. Do whatever it takes to get ahead and it doesn't matter who you step on. It doesn't matter who you have to climb over and it doesn't matter who you have to double cross, betray. None of that. Just get your power, get your money, get your success and then when you get it, go live a hedonistic lifestyle doing whatever you think is right. That's what he's preaching here. Money, relationships, power, personal freedom. These are all the ways... To become the person you're meant to be. This is what society teaches us. But this poisons your soul. It poisons you. Because it tells you that that you can find meaning from within yourself. That you can define your own meaning. And this is why you have a culture now who, who says dumb things like, I'm going to speak my truth. You guys know how I hate that phrase right we have a society that says you can be whatever you want to be even if it doesn't actually exist okay? you can make up genders you can make up ideologies you can make up sexualities you can make up all of these things but as long as you're you're in control then you're becoming the person you were meant to be you cannot find meaning in yourself And this is what Jesus preaches. We cannot find meaning in ourselves. And so when Jesus talks about the kingdom, he always flips this whole concept upside down. That there are paths and circumstances that bring you to success and that you can be the person you want to be outside of something bigger and greater than yourself. Jesus flips this upside down all the time because his kingdom, self-sacrifice, slavery, and death, those are the ways to find success and meaning, and it's ways that the world scoffs at, it's ways that the world ridicules. But self-sacrifice, slavery, death, even the very way that Jesus gives us life is through death. And so, what we're going to do over the next uh, five weeks is we're going to look at, at at major deaths or near deaths in the Old Testament. And then we're going to look at the life that Jesus brings. Because Jesus gives us his life through his death. His death was the only thing, and still the only thing, that can bring humanity to life. It's the only thing. It's not finding success and meaning from within yourself. It's not uh, crafting your own truth and making your own world and living inside your own bubble. It is the death of Jesus Christ. I'm going to read. In Genesis. I'm going to read three verses in Genesis chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 15 through 17. And then I'm going to jump forward and I'm going to read Genesis 3, 1 through 7. Uh, and here's what Genesis 2, 15 through 17 says. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil You shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, surely you will die. Genesis 3, verses 1 through 7. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. This is the word of the Lord. Our greatest enemy. Our greatest enemy is death. That's our greatest enemy. Sin is not your greatest enemy. Death is your greatest enemy. It's been the greatest enemy of humanity since the fall of the garden. So so what happens? Why why is sin, why do we preach against sin? Why does God have to save us from our sins? Uh, the The reason that he has to do that is because sin activates death. What does that mean? My son's going to come up and he's going to show you. So come on up, Roman. <laughs> See, mom's not in town. He can just wear soccer jerseys and shorts and <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> this is death. A water balloon, right? Death loomed over us, even in the garden, right? Death, death was always a possibility, because Jesus or God tells Adam, look, if you eat, if you eat of the fruit of this tree, you will die. That's what he tells him, and so death always loomed over us. This isn't dangerous. It's not. See, is it dangerous, son? No, it's not dangerous. Right? No problem. Until something comes along and activates death. And that is sin. Sin activates death. Take sin, son and so I'll tell you when but it l- hangs over us and then when adam sins re- re- be be clear through one man sin entered the world so buddy what happens when adam sins it activates come on like we did yesterday It activates death. And we got to get all of the death on there. And it rules and reigns over us. It's almost there. That's what happens. The thing that was just in theory a problem becomes our greatest problem. When Adam sins. I'm going to take that from you really quick so there's no revenge. You can step off of this son. (laughs) There is another one there. I'm covering him like God covered Adam and Eve's sin. Take it. Give him a hand. The bigger one would have popped easier, but I felt bad. I didn't want to get him too wet, so we went with... That's how sin activates death. Death always loomed over us, but until sin came, death had no power. 1 Corinthians 15 says that. It says that sin is the sting of death, that death is the sting of sin, excuse me, that when it gets activated, then it comes into humanity, right? And the ultimate outcome of the death and the resurrection of Jesus is now that we receive eternal life with him. That's the ultimate outcome. Yes, he forgives us of our sins, and I am so thankful and so glad that he forgives me of my sins because they are many. I am so glad that he has forgiven you of your sins because they are many. Right? And so that is a good benefit. It cleanses us. It washes us white as snow. It puts us into his kingdom. But the ultimate goal is that we are with God forever because that was the ultimate goal of Eden. That was the ultimate goal from the beginning. And then when sin corrupted all of it and brought death in, God wanted to reverse the curse of Eden by bringing us eternal life. This is the ultimate outcome. Because look, the tree of life, it sustained the eternal nature of Adam and Eve. Then the Lord God said, behold... Man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So if they ate of that tree, they would live forever with the stain of sin, and they would fully, completely die, die, not just physical but spiritual death. See, like I said, death was possible, but death was not activated because there was no sin until Satan lied. This is the first lie. He goes up to Eve. He doesn't lie to her yet, but he just asks a question. What did God say about that tree right there? Can, uh, well, I see all these trees. Can you eat of all of them? That one right Can you eat? Well, we're not supposed to eat of that tree. We're not even supposed to touch it. No lie's been stated by Satan yet. Eve says, ah, but he said if we, we touch it or eat of it, we'll die. And the first lie, you will surely not die. That's the first lie. The first lie ever spoken in, in, our, in, the, in the history of our humanity. The first lie ever spoken was, you will not die. When God said very clearly, you will. And Eve, for whatever reason, did not believe God in that moment. Adam overlooked things, oversaw things, and still decided to take from the tree. And that becomes our problem. You see, Satan's ultimate goal it's to destroy the people of God. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That is the mission statement of Satan and his kingdom. To kill you, to rob from you, and to destroy you. And in the garden, this sin, sent. look, it's no mistake that the first lie was about death. If that's our ultimate enemy, if that was always our ultimate enemy, then, then Satan wants to unleash the ultimate enemy on humanity. So that's the first thing he lies about. And in the garden, this sin sentenced us to death. Romans 5:12 says, "Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death spread to all men, because all sin. right? The problem with this verse is not that we all sin. That's not the problem that that spreads to all of humanity. The problem that spreads to all of humanity in this passage is death. Is that now, because all of you have sinned, and because I have sinned, and because everybody walking the planet has sinned, now death is everywhere. It has grips on humanity. For those without Jesus... There is no good news of life. There is only bad news of death. That's true for anybody walking. If we are sentenced to death, how could we ever truly live? But Jesus brings a solution. I I had an algebra teacher my freshman year of high school, his name was Mr. Quatre. He wasn't a good teacher, and he wasn't a nice man. And it's always it's always bad, like, when the math teacher is mean, and you, you're like, you don't really like math, and it just makes it doubly worse. But he would give us a lot of homework, and uh, he never really taught us how to do the homework. He just gave us the homework and told us to do it. And so I remember one time I was doing... Uh, an algebra problem, and I could not get it. Our books, I don't know, I don't know if they how they work now, but um, we used to have if we were doing problems one through fifteen the the answers to the odd questions would be in the back. So you can go back and see, okay, this is an odd numbered question i can I can check the answer. and so, There was one that I saw the answer, but I had no idea how I was supposed to get to it. And I don't remember the question specifically, but it was something like, Billy can paint a house in three hours. Sammy can paint a house in two hours. How long can they paint it? How long would it take if they painted it together? What, What? And so I... And he had, you know, he had shown us bare minimum, this is how you get an answer like this, and this is how you have to do it. And so I'm sitting there, I'm like almost in tears at the table, like, I can't get this, I can't get this. And my mom's like cracking the whip, you better get it, son. Just kidding. Um, um, But I asked my dad, and I I said, Dad, I need some help. And my dad, um, he just kind of looks at it, starts to do some things, writes a couple things down, and he says, I think this is the answer. I think this is the, the solution to your problem. And I said, it is, but you didn't get to it the way that Mr. Quatre wants us to get to it. Like, I don't know what kind of voodoo you just did in your head, but you got there. But I have to show my steps. How do I show my steps? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, Dad, you're not helping me. I gave you the answer. I, but it's not, how, I didn't get to it the right way. There's a solution to the problem of death, and it's Jesus. And it doesn't matter how you get there, but that you have to get there. And so I took the answer to Mr. Quatre. I, didn't, I never figured out how to do it, and I didn't get full points. I still hold that against him. God rest his soul. So. <laughs> he did have the best Christmas lights in the neighborhood by far. So he, he had good stuff going for him. It's not teaching algebra. Right, doesn't matter how you get there. It doesn't matter if you were four years old and God, uh, God regenerated you in that moment because you just said, "I want to follow Jesus my whole life." And so He kept you from sin, and He kept you. Um, close to Him, and so you've live. you grown up, and you're like, I don't have a testimony like other people. But God changed you, and He kept you from all the stuff that we've wanted to avoid anyways, right? So I don't care if that happens, or you were wandering for 25 years, and you did every drug imaginable, and it had to bring you to your knees before you said, Jesus, you are Lord. It does not matter how you get to the solution. The solution is Jesus. His death, His resurrection... Just look to him, because he was sent by the Father to redeem us from the curse of death. This freedom from death is the central power of the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. That's the most well-known scripture in the Bible. That it preaches the gospel in one sentence. And the outcome is not, hey, you're really lucky that your sins are forgiven, though we are. The ultimate good outcome is that you have eternal life. Is that you will be with him forever. So confess your sins. Repent and turn from them. So that you can receive life. You see Jesus continually tells us. That real kingdom life is found in him. Especially in the book of John. In John chapter 6 verse 35. He says Jesus said to them. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me. Shall never thirst. But he's the bread of life life. You eat, you eat of him. You get life. I already quoted this verse. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that they may have life. And is it just the kind of life that barely scrapes by? And I'm not talking about the physical. I'm not talking about your finances. I'm not talking about your health. I'm not talking about any of that, though that could be changed. What I am talking about is the abundant life that Jesus offers is not a life of us just scraping by. It is a life with him where he pours out his blessing on us. And yes, there are times of famine and times of valleys, but the ultimate trajectory of our life is not just God, just get me through today. It is God. You have abundant life for me. Let me walk in it. Can't have a a, a poverty mentality when it comes to the good gifts that God wants to give. Jesus says, look, I am the way and the truth. And the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Disciples are asking him, you're leaving us. How do we know the way? How do we know how to walk? How do we know how to live? How do we know what our next step is, where our next meal is coming from? How do we do it? And then Jesus says, oh no, I'm the way. So he's telling them, you're thinking in the physical. You're thinking of, how will I get my needs met? And I'm saying, just come to me, and you'll get whatever you need, right? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all the other things will be added to you, right? He says, I'm the way. The life that you're looking for comes only through me, because I'm the only way you get to the Father. Kingdom life is only found in him, and through his life, He exemplified kingdom living. The kingdom living, the preaching of the gospel, the good news that the kingdom of God is near. Healing, deliverance, oneness with the Father. These are all things that Jesus walked in as he was on earth. He says, repent, uh, he says, repent now for the gospel the, the good the, the kingdom of God is at hand. And then he goes out to pray after he says that and his disciples come find him, like we have to go back to where he first started. And he's like, no, I have to leave because I've come to preach the gospel of the kingdom to everybody. He tells the, the apostles when they go out, go out and heal the sick. And when you heal the sick in the town, tell them the kingdom of God has come near. Right? So healing's a sign of the kingdom of God coming near. And Jesus healed all who came to him. How many of you watched The Chosen? I'm going to tell you the worst scene in The Chosen. It's when Barnabas comes up to Jesus. And asks him to heal him. And Jesus gives this long, eloquent, well, Barnabas, how much greater would it be that if somebody who has something that needs to be healed would be healed, would would go out and pray healing over people and get people healed. Hey, that's real in our lives, right? Like we are, those who pray for healing, we are all in some sense wounded healers. And so we can live that out. It's not a question of whether God heals today. Why that scene is so bad? Because Jesus never turns down anybody for healing when they come ask. Ever in the Bible. Ever. And so I'm watching that scene in the movie theater and my wife knows what I'm thinking and we're sitting there and I'm like clenching my fists. Jesus would not have done that. We have no evidence. We have nothing that says that Jesus would have done that because what what does the Bible always make clear? And he healed them all. And he healed them all. So Jesus would have healed Barnabas right on the spot, right there. That's my, because that's a sign that the kingdom comes near. He later says, if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then surely the kingdom of God has come among you. He always says, I I only do what I see the Father doing. I don't do anything else. Uh, uh, Only what He does. Only what He says. Only what He's doing. That's all I do. And these are all things that we walk in. We can proclaim the kingdom of God. We can pray for healing. We can pray for deliverance. We can be at oneness with the Father because Jesus has showed us how and He because he told anyone and everyone who would listen that the kingdom life was available for them. Tells them, it, it's yours. It's there. It's in your midst. It's in your grasp. It's at hand. It's, it's right now. And people love that message. I hope you love that message. That kingdom life is available for you right now. That you could see the power of the future kingdom break in to our earth right now. I hope that's a message that you love and that you pursue. And But every now and then, Jesus would hint at what it actually took. And that's when he lost people. He tells him, look, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever sa- who whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And people did not like that. And so they left stands up in front of a crowd another time and he says, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no place in my kingdom. And the crowds that were there, probably by the thousands, turn and walk away. And some of his apostles and disciples were hanging out. And he says, don't you want to leave? Don't you want to go? The crowds are all leaving. Are you here only for the crowds? Are you here only because a thousand people were here listening to me? Are you only here because of the status that it gives you in other people's eyes that you know me? Don't you want to leave with them? No. Where else would we go? You are the one who has the words of life. He tells us what it takes and it's not easy it's simple die to yourself carry your cross the youngest people among us can can understand that and recite it back to us it's simple but it's not easy but the good thing is is that jesus will never tell you to do something that he would not do himself I'll admit at times I am a do as I say and not as I do parent. Right? It's just that's the way it works sometimes. They see me eating snacks at 9.30. Can we have a snack? No, you get one. I don't care what I'm doing. You don't get one. He'll never tell you to do something that he am not, he would, he himself would not do. And so instead of taking up the figurative cross, he took up a physical cross and he marched to a physical death. He took the cross and marched himself to certain death. He took himself out of the picture. He willingly gave up his life willingly gave up his life. Andy, could you go out in the lobby for me real quick? You'll understand. Don't worry about it. He willingly gave it all up. Because for us to be unlocked, our eternal life, Jesus needed to die. I used to love to watch WWF when it was WWF wrestling. A couple of occasions I faked sick on Sunday mornings because Sunday mornings they would have wrestling matches and the church interfered with my watching wrestling. I got caught one time and then so I had to stop doing that. They never believed me after that. But there's always the good guy and the bad guy in the match, right? And this happens so much, right, where... In the, midst of, in the midst of the match, like the referee gets knocked out, right? And he, he, gets, he gets nudged in the shoulder, and he's out for hour, right? And they're fighting with the refs, not singing. So the bad guy, the bad guy, he slides out of the ring, and he goes, and he gets the steel chair, the dreaded steel chair. And the, the good guy's like down, and he's, he's like, oh, man, I can't get up, I can't get up. And as, as the, the bad guy comes and he has the steel chair above his head and he's about to hit it, the good guy suddenly comes to and kicks him in the stomach and he drops the chair and he takes the very weapon meant to destroy him and he destroys his opponent and poof and he throws the chair out of the ring. And at that moment, the ref suddenly wakes up. <laughs> Come on, it's up! And he falls out of love. This is what Jesus did. He used the very weapon that Satan had against us and used it to destroy him. Death was swallowed up in victory. How? By Jesus' death. He knew exactly what he was doing. He knew exactly what he was doing. Remember my son. Death loomed over. Right? Death loomed over us. But it wasn't activated until... Sin. Death loomed over Jesus. Right? He was born. He didn't have a sin nature. I'm not saying that. But it loomed over him. It was always a possibility if he sinned, but he never did. That's the whole point. Death was never activated for him because he never sinned. And so he could never die unless he willingly Gave up his life. And so what does he do? He takes up his cross. And he walks down. Plants it in the ground. And he's killed. He's killed for you and for me. And at that moment, the Bible lets us know that the forces of darkness believed they won. And that death had taken Jesus. 1 Corinthians 2.8 says... That if the rulers of this world had known the plan, if they had known that Jesus was going to die to liberate all of creation, that he was going to liberate humanity, he was going to liberate our earth. if he, They said if He, they would have known, they never would have crucified the Lord of glory. They thought they won. But... Jesus conquers our greatest enemy. So in the book of Revelation, when he appears to John, he is able to say, I am the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And now I have the keys of death and Hades. Can you imagine? Can you imagine hearing Jesus say that? I rule, even Hades. I have the keys to it. I can unlock it or not. But I'm alive forever. I'm alive forever. And then he, because he is a loving and generous God, this life that he lives forevermore, he passes on that resurrection life of Jesus Christ to you and to me. He didn't just die and rise again as a good parlor trick or a good magic trick. He doesn't die and rise again for no purpose. But he does it, he does it so that he can then pass on that resurrection power life to you and to me and to all who would believe. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then he, the Father who raised Jesus from the dead, will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. You, you, you are alive in Christ. And it's nothing that you've done. It's because when we turn to him, we don't earn it, we don't, We don't uh, don't negotiate it, but when we say you're Lord, you're Lord, you rose from the dead, you conquered everything. Then it says that the spirit that that raised Jesus from the dead, the greatest miracle, the pinnacle, the, the apex of all miracles in human history, the power needed in that moment lives in you. oh, I don't know, I'm just a worthless, oh, I'm just a worm, I'm just... No! You are imbued with the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. Start actually believing that. Because when you believe that, when you learn to walk in that belief, when it becomes something that comes, goes from the head to the heart to the feet to the hands, then you see the world totally differently. The things you saw as mountainous problems now become molehills. The things that you saw as barriers that you can never overcome, you're just running and leaping over them because of the resurrection power of Jesus that lives in you. We've got to get this through our heads. If, that's what it, if that is true, then the same life Jesus lived is possible for you. This is the essence of the resurrection life. It's there for you. It's there. But Jesus did, Jesus healed a whole bunch of people. Yeah. And Acts is very, the book of Acts is very clear that God worked through Jesus, that the spirit working in Jesus It's there for you. It's there for you. The closeness, the oneness with the Father. Our spirit testifies with his spirit. Right? This is this is how we 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 get this oneness where we say, "Okay, God, I am open to you. I am open for you. That that oneness with the Father is possible for you right now." But to remain alive in the resurrection life, you must continually die. This is not about losing your salvation. This is not about falling out of the, the kingdom of God or 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 reversing anything that God has done. But we, we can be in the kingdom, in the resurrection life, but we can still walk by our own strength, by our own power, by our own means. And then we just lose what we've had. We go through those barren wilderness places and we've all had them where we're questioning, God, where are you, God? What are you doing, God? And sometimes he's disciplining us. There's lots of reasons why we find ourselves in those places, but one of the reasons is that sometimes we refuse to die. God, you can can do whatever you want in my life. Okay, you have to give me this. Give this up, and, and I will move powerfully in your life. Ah, don't ask for that. I'm going to hold on to that one. I like that sin. That, that addiction has been a part of me for a very long time. And so I'm just going gonna, gonna to hold tight to that one. What will say, God, Psalm 139, God, search me and know me. Show me if there's any wicked way in, there, in me so that you can lead me into way everlasting. You really want that? Okay, here's the wicked way in you. I kind of like that way, though. We have to continually die. It's not a one-and-done sanctification process. It is a continual saying, God, I'm giving this to you. I'm putting it on the cross. God, I'm, I'm dying to myself. I'm decreasing so that you can increase. Look, we must constantly evaluate our lives through the lens of Jesus' life. The things that Jesus says, the way he interacts with the Father, the way that he interacts with people around him. When Jesus faced slander, how does he deal with it? When you face slander, go look at how Jesus faced it. How did Jesus face temptation? When you face temptation, go see how Jesus faced temptation and deal with it the same way he did. This is what resurrection life is, but it's all unlocked because of the death of Jesus Christ. It's all unlocked because he willingly chose to give up who he was on the cross. His humanity was snuffed out so that you might live. And so my one, my, my one, what I want to implore you with, die, die, die every day so that he lives through you. Die. As we close, some reflection to think about as we sing another song, is are you living the resurrection life? Have you, let's, let's take two camps of people, the first camp, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. You cannot live the resurrection life without making Jesus the Lord of your life. Without turning away from what you have and following him, it's not possible to live the resurrection life on your own. When you try, you fall into trouble. You try to find meaning for yourself, so you chase money, power, success. You chase all of those things. The resurrection life is only found in Jesus Christ. Have you made him Lord so that you can walk in that life? And then for those of us who have made that decision, but maybe we, we, we've, we're taking an honest look at where we are this morning, and we're saying, ah, man, it's there. I hear the teaching, I know it, I understand it. I even believe it a little bit, but I'm not experiencing with it. I'm not experiencing it right now. I can't tell you why you're not experiencing it. You do that work. Are you living the resurrection life? Can looking to Jesus, how does looking to Jesus' life influence the way you live? He is the the epitome of resurrection life. He is the epitome of kingdom living. He is life for us. And so we look to him. Because what happens in Genesis chapter three? Eve eats of it. Hey, honey, this is really good. Not usually a fan of your cooking, but I'll try it. Pfft, that moment, everything changes. We become a people without hope. Until Jesus comes, sin cannot be activated in its power above Him. Death is not has no grips on him. And so when we want the resurrection life, we look to him. When we want to overcome our greatest enemy, we look to him. And some of you, as we, as we sing and as we pray and as we respond, you just need to die. You just need to say, it's all for you, Jesus. I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. So as we respond, the altar is always open. You can come and kneel. If someone kneels at the altar, that's their way of saying, "I don't want anybody else to pray for me right now. I don't want anybody else to come. I just want to do business between myself and God." Well, they're my friends. Well, wait till after church and pray for them. If you want specific prayer, we have Pam, we have Deborah, and myself. We're the ministry team this morning. They would love to pray for you. However you respond, just let it be spirit-led right now. God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? How do you want me to, to, to walk in that life you have for me? Stand with me. spirit God wants to, to speak to, to those who feel exposed. Like you don't, you don't have a spiritual covering over you. Whether it's a child and a parent. Whether it's a wife not having the spiritual covering of her husband. Or uh, a man having a spiritual covering of a, a church. but that you've been you've been afraid you've been scared because you hear about living it out you hear about it but but there's nobody p- to protect you there's nobody there's nobody to to have your back. And so you stepping out, you dying to yourself, you giving the things up that God wants to give up, you walking in the power that he's called you to walk in, that frightens you. Because you feel like you have to do it alone. And that those closest to you are not supportive. And God wants to speak to you this morning. And say that he is all the covering that you need. If that's you and you want to talk that out with one of the ladies up here ministering, get prayer right now, afterwards, if you don't want to feel exposed again, just just come up and, and man, we'd love to pray with you over that. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the goodness of your spirit speaking to us, teaching us. Let it continue to be done for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Fred, <coughs> Fred we just pulled in resurrecting.
3: Your name your name is victory. All
2: praise
3: will rise to Christ our King. Oh, your, your name, your name is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our
1: One King. One more time,
2: let's do it. It's your in His name.
3: Days. His
2: body,
3: his, his body, body there would not remain. I got his robbery.
0: died we have life give us a give us a real experience of you that shows us that the power that raised Jesus from the dead now is in us and makes us alive that we are not merely mortal bodies anymore but we are we are people of the kingdom who move and flow with you let that be true for us Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.